as I always say, uh, at this time, we, we will let the kids head back to Children's Church. They do not have to go if they'd like to come in here and stay here and listen to me. But as my own children have informed me multiple times, I'm so boring. But if you are nursery all the way up to second grade, we would invite you to, to head out to Children's Church. I think most of them have already gone. For the rest of you, you're stuck with me, the boring guy. Um, and we are going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 15. I know that it gets a little scary when we're talking about giving in the month of October and I'm suddenly in Deuteronomy, but bear with me. Um, there's some good things to, to be learned, to hear and to learn from this passage. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and we're going to pick up in verse 7 and read through to verse 11 today. So Deuteronomy chapter 15, starting in verse 7. Uh, if you're not sure where Deuteronomy is, you're going to be towards the front of your book. Deuteronomy is the last of the first five books of the Bible, which means if you do your math, it is the fifth book. Um, that would be the last of five. Um, yeah, I'm just a, don't worry, I'm going to get there. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 15. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, starting in verse 7, we read these words. It says, if there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns, in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of remission is near and your eye is hostile towards your poor brother and you give him nothing. Then he may cry out to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin to you. You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore I command you, saying, you shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. Please be seated. Now, as my children ha have grown up a little bit in the last few years, something really remarkable, kind of very interesting has happened in my household recently. It was something that I did not expect, not necessarily a bad thing, but something that came to mind as I was reading this passage today. See, in, in my house, something that's happened in really the last year that, that has kind of changed some of the dynamics of my household in that both of my daughters have gotten a job. And I, yeah, woohoo! So rent money's coming in. No, obviously not. But they have both got a job. Both of them are earning their own money. money. Uh, Lainey has gotten one working hours over the summer and free time. Audrey has been um, dog sitting and earning an income from that. And this fascinating thing has happened with my daughters when they started earning their own money. And to be sure there are, you know, and it's, it's really kind of fascinating because because what's happened is, is suddenly the value of money is a very different thing to them now. And, and, and it came to a point where suddenly you realize that the things that that they thought were totally worth the money when it was my money 
is now suddenly not really worth it anymore when it's their money. And rest assured, my kids still have money and spend money without hesitation when it comes to to Starbucks. And and, and let me tell you, the thrift shops in town have not been suffering with uh, Lainey now earning her own income. But suddenly the the Luton girls have a, a very different perspective of money now that it's their own money. And oh, the joy on both my face and on Liz's face when they come to us in Target or Walmart or wherever it is we're shopping and they ask us to buy something and we get to look at them and go, you have money. And that look of both shock and, and, and exasperation when suddenly they realize that they would have to actually spend their own money on the silly trinket that they are asking me to buy. And I love it because you watch them go, can I have this? And you go, you have money. And they go, Ugh. And wouldn't you know it, that thing goes back on the shelf. It's amazing. And I love every second of it. Money does a funny thing to us. And especially when it's our own money. See, when we're young, we don't have much thought to how much something costs or, or, or how much we have to spend to, to do those things. And really, in a lot of ways, we're even... In our, you know, regardless of age, we're pretty generous when it comes to us. And, and, and for, you know, some of us, we may be, and I know that I got some moms in the room and I know how you moms think, because I, I married one that's a mom now. You're like, oh, I don't spend that much on myself, but you wouldn't hesitate to do something for your kids. And you grandmoms in the room, you know, you'd be spending money on them grandbabies. Yeah. Yeah. The grandpas are going, Yes. So we don't have much trouble spending money when we're spending it on ourselves or or loved ones or on friends. But man, it can be a lot harder to hand over that money when it starts to become the things that that are not that way. When we start talking about giving to strangers or to charities or or to to even just people with, with we really don't have that close connection suddenly we get a little bit tighter with our money and that's not that's not necessarily or inherently a bad thing but it is something to realize that it just gets harder because we start to think of the other things we could spend that money on the clothes we need the car repairs the streaming services, or whatever it might be. And it becomes harder to just, especially in the ideas of charity, whether we're talking about giving to to the church or giving to some other charitable organization or whatever it might be, it suddenly becomes that much harder to let that money go. It is interesting that we can go all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. And even from the, the very beginning, so if you don't know that much about the book of Deuteronomy, we are at a place in Israel's history. And if you would like to know more about how all of these books line up and get it go in order, Sunday nights with Joe, we are going through the Bible. He is showing us how the whole thing fits together. What, where are we at now? You're in, we're in Ezra. But in the book of Deuteronomy, we're at a place where, where Israel has, has left Egypt 
And they are almost to the promised land. They've had their wanderings. They've had their rebellions. They've made their mistakes. And now they're getting close to the promised land. In fact, they're like right there in the book of Deuteronomy. And because they're right there in the book of Deuteronomy, that there's a, a point here. And what the book of Deuteronomy is essentially is, is God laying out how they are going to be obedient to the Ten Commandments when they go into the land. And so in the book of Leviticus, they've talked about all the priestly things and the the ceremonial things and all that. And now in Deuteronomy, it's how do you be obedient to the law? In fact, the word Deuteronomy means a second giving of the law so that when they go into the promised land, they know how to live out their covenant with God. That's what Deuteronomy is. Which means, if we think about this, from the moment that God is going to usher Israel into the promised land and they're going to start living as the nation of Israel in the promised land, he is concerned with how they handle their money, specifically as it relates to the poor and the needy. He wanted to make sure from the very beginning of the nation of Israel that, the, that, that Israel had a proper view and a proper handling of things like money and wealth. In our passage this morning, God is specifically speaking within the context of what was called the Sabbath year. And the idea behind the Sabbath year was, in the Sabbath year, all outstanding debts among the nation of Israel would be, would be nullified, would be canceled out, and everybody would get a fresh start during the Sabbath year. And God is giving His teaching as it relates to this. And in the midst of all of this teaching, God's heart is revealed. And we can look at this and begin to understand how God wants us to view money and wealth and and even with that, the, the poor and needy and the charitable things that we do. So I want to pull out some principles for you today to help you kind of understand what Jesus is communicating to the nation of Israel and how that might affect how we handle our wealth and how we handle things today. The first thing I want you to notice from this passage and really kind of the command in the midst of all of this is a simple command, which is open your hand. Look again at verses 7 and 8. It says this, it said, But if there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of the towns in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him. God instructs the nation of Israel to give freely and generously to those who have need. I want you to notice here in that, that idea of generously and freely in the passage, when we look at uh, verse 8, it says, But you shall freely open your hand to him, and you shall generously lend him a sufficient amount. That idea of freely and generously is not so much about, initially, that, that first part of it is not so much about how much. That's really not what he's concerned about in that beginning part when he says you will freely open your hand, you will generously lend to them, but rather it is talking about the attitude in which you give. Paul speaks of this same concept in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. and verse 7 it says this, but each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
So in this kind of initial thought of, of what it means to give and what it, how God wants us to handle our, our finances, he immediately and right off the bat says, listen, start with your attitude. And I don't want you to, to start in this thing with just saying, well, God's making me do this. I guess I have to if I want to be obedient to the law. And then we hold on to our hand. Have you ever seen like in a television show or anything like that where someone's taking the money and the person's having a hard time giving it up and you see the person have to kind of eventually just pull it out? That's not the vision that that Jesus is, is communicating to this, but rather, listen, there are going to be poor people in your midst. He's talking about Israel. There's going to be people who have needs meet those needs and have a good attitude as it comes to meeting those needs. Now, um, this is a, a thought process that, that we absolutely have to have. And instead of saying to ourselves, Ugh, I have to do this, we should say, God has blessed me and met my needs. Now I get to be a blessing to others by meeting someone else's needs. Do you see the difference there? One is that under compulsion, under duress, doing so with, with a, a tight fist hand and allowing some to slip through, but, but still doing so with a, a level of, of, of judgment and unhappiness about it, while the other one recognizes that what we have is a blessing of God to begin with. And because God has blessed us, and I would argue that the very fact that you are in this room right now Everybody here is wearing nice clothes. All of us here have homes. All of us here probably have internet in our homes except Mike, but that's a choice. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. Um, All of us here have been blessed exceedingly by God. And because we have been blessed exceedingly, we need to be eager to bless others through how God has blessed us. Now, this is not to say that God does not speak uh, at all about amount and what it means to give. In fact, look again at the text in verse 8. It says that you shall open freely your hand to him and you shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. The passage does not tell us to be foolish in our giving, but rather to be eager to meet needs. Now, the, the, the temptation here, and this is, I have to put this in here because this is me. I'm speaking of myself here. The, the temptation in a passage like this is to say, okay, we need to be generous, but we need to meet their needs. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, if I'm not meeting a need, I'm not giving. And I, and I can start, man, I can start legalizing, well, if you hadn't bought a Big Mac, then you wouldn't, you'd have money to do this. And then, and then so you know what? You, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not giving anything because I don't want to enable somebody. That's me. Just giving you a window into my mindset sometimes. And when I, I don't have an open hand, and when I have a, a closed hand, it's because I'm thinking, well, they made that choice. They put themselves in that situation. They can, they can, if they made just two or three different choices, if they just quit getting their Starbucks coffee, they'd have plenty of money to do all this other stuff. So I'm not, I'm not giving to that. Amen. However, that's not what it's saying here. And we need to kind of fight against that inclination to, to want to stand as their, their, their certified financial planner and judge and ruler and say, does this person have a need? Am I in the, do I have the power, do I have the ability to meet that need? 
that I need to meet that need. And not ask, how did they get to that place? What is it? What does it need? Is there a way that they can misuse it? All of those things, those things, and just simple, simply ask themselves, ask ourselves, do we have a need? Can I meet that need? I'm going to meet that need. And I, and I definitely believe that we should err more on the side of meeting that need than on not meeting that need. Jesus also spoke about this generous giving in the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 34, we read these words. He says, If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Man, when we talk about opening up our hand, we look at the example that Jesus gives us and then not only gives us but teaches us. It says, lend expecting nothing in return. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Suddenly, all of the excuses that I want to make for not giving, for not being generous, for closing my hand, suddenly all of those things are out the window, aren't they? And if I'm left with the example that I have in Christ, I realize that I am to open my hand and give generously. Now, this passage from Luke leads us to kind of really the second principle. And while God is is commanding the nation of Israel to open their hand to their poor brother in this passage, along with that in the verse just before it, it says, do not harden your heart. Jesus says, if you lend to those and you expect from from whom you respect, expect to receive, what credit is that to you? I believe that this is a reference to Deuteronomy 15. And there's this mindset here when he talks about um, this thought in his head. Verse 9, beware that there is no base thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of remission is near. Now, there's a, a mindset that is going on, a warning that is coming into this passage here where they're saying, if you have a brother in need, I want you to picture this for a second. You have a brother in need. You see someone in your life that that has a need. And their mindset is, if I lend to this person. The year of remission, the year of forgiveness of debt is like right on us. And if I lend and they don't pay me back in the very short amount of time, which they probably can't. That's why they're in the situation they're in. If they don't pay me back, I have to just forgive it. And that is a bad investment. And so the, the, the thing that God is, is warning them against is don't look at it and say, hey, if I lend, I'm probably not going to get that money back. Therefore, I won't lend it. I'll find an excuse. I'll find a reason not to because I'm not going to give him that money and then not get it back somehow. And if we're really honest, even when we think about giving and being generous, even to a degree, and even our charitable things and those type of things, often we're wanting a return on our investment, aren't we? We're hoping that if we lend to somebody that we're going to get something out of it. And if we're not going to get something out of it, we have a very hard time doing this. We often ask ourselves the simple question, how is this going to benefit me? 
When we give our money to the church, we ask, does this mean that the pastor is going to visit me whenever I want him to, that he will be at my beck and call, that they will offer programs and services that I like and I want to be a part of, that they're going to give me a free t-shirt or who knows what else. When we give to a charity, we ask ourselves, am I going to be recognized for this or is this going to further some other thing or is this going to be a networking opportunity for my business? When you give to an individual, it's the question of will they show me gratitude? Will they repay me? Or will they in some way, shape, or form owe me that I can call them later? We are giving to be sure. But we are still hoping for that return of investment. And if there is not one, we are tempted to say no or ignore that the person actually has a real need. Jesus warns us, or God warns Israel in this, in this very thing. In fact, this is what Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 6. He says, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the street, so that they may be honored among men. Truly, I say to you that they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus quite literally in our passage says, do not worry about the return on investment. Do not worry about the attention or the payback. Do not worry about the benefit or or the influence that you will gain. Do not worry about what people will think about you or how you may turn this at a later date to get something that you might need. And he says that when you do that, and you are expecting the recognition or the influence or, or some sort of reward in this life. He says you may get it, but that is all you will get. And that the giving that we do out of love and obedience to the Father will be missed. But when we set those things aside and we give, and we give not for a return, not for influence, not for attention, not to further your business ventures or, 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 be, or, or get an award. But you give just because you love God and He told you to do it. And when we give for those reasons, it says that then you will get a reward. And that it's a reward that will far exceed those that we might get in this life under the sun. See, ultimately, in the, in the midst of all this, and this is the thing that I think is at the heart of what God is teaching us in this passage, is He is teaching Israel to value obedience and trust in God over the wealth that they will experience in the land of Israel. If you read back in the passage just a little bit into the previous things, He's, he's talking about this year of remission and all the things that are, is going to happen and how they're going to take care of this. Uh, And I want you to look at verse 4. So go back to to 15. I want you to look at verse 4. And that's going to give you a little bit of an insight on on what God's going to do with Israel. Verse 4, it says this, However, there will be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I am commanding you today. 
So I want you to think about this. This is God is preparing them for the promised land. And he's saying like, hey, if there's going to be, you know, anybody in debt, we're going to have this thing called the the Sabbath year and the debts get forgiven and and everybody, you know, takes care of everybody and everybody kind of resets and starts over. And he goes, but listen, if you do what I say, and if you follow my commandments and you, you follow all that I'm saying, there won't be no poor. Because all of you will be blessed, all of you will do well, all of you will, will have abundance, and, and there, you won't even have to worry about this. Now what I love about that is we go to the end of the passage we just read, and he says, there will always be poor with you. Well, that tells us something, doesn't it? It's a little clue on how well Israel is going to do on following all those commandments and keeping all of those rules, isn't it? If you obey me and you follow me with all your heart, there will be no poor among you. There will always be poor among you. I don't know if they picked it up back then, but part of me reading it went, ouch. But see, if we look at what's being said here, the idea here is when Israel goes into the promised land, they are going to be blessed and they are going to have an abundance. And we, we get glimpses of that. We get glimpses of that in Israel when they are conquering And when they establish themselves, we get glimpses of that as David establishes the nation and Solomon lives in in rule until he starts to allow all the other gods to, to come in because of his wives. We get glimpses of this abundance and there is abundance. An amazing amount of wealth, an amazing amount of resources, an amazing amount of things that were given and were blessed to the nation of Israel. And God is saying, listen, It is going to be very tempting for you to experience the blessings, to experience the wealth, to experience the good things that life under the sun can provide for you. And you can find yourself in a place where you are torn on whether you hold to these things or you trust me. And in our passage today, he is very much so communicating to them, listen, there's going to be poor. Some of you are going to experience blessing. Some of you are not. There is going to be poor. You need to trust me over trusting in these things. I want you to look at verse 10. And this is where where that trust comes into play. He says, you shall generously give to them and your heart will not be grieved when you give to him because for the thing the lord your, for for this thing the lord your god will bless you in all your work and all of your undertakings see our teaching from jesus just a few moments ago reminded us that when we give and not expect anything in return that god will see that and god will bless that In fact, God is communicating to us throughout the scriptures that if we want to truly experience all that he has for us, both in this life, in the next, we must be willing to open our hands. We must choose obedience and faith over wealth. We must value the promises of God over the things that God has already placed in our hands. We have to trust that God really is good 
And what he has for us is really the best thing we can imagine. And when we recognize that God's promises are sure and his blessings are certain and the greater good that he has for us far exceeds anything that this life could possibly have to offer us, when we begin to see these things, we're not going to hold on to the things in our hand, but we will freely give them to God, trusting that he has a greater thing in store for us, a thing that we may not even be able to comprehend comprehend this side of eternity to give you a picture of that i want to read to you from matthew 25 now this is a significant verse in, in our church because we are, are fast approaching what we call in as much day and where we go out and serve and we give up a saturday to 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 serve other people and to benefit them with no expectation on our part in matthew 25 starting in verse 34 we see this It says, then the king will say to those on his rights, this is Christ who has returned in his glory. He has separated the sheep from the goats. And he says this, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. But the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. This is a but faint picture of the reward for those who leave their hand open. This is the benefit that comes. And it's not a benefit of this world, but it is a benefit that we find in eternity. I want you to listen to this benefit once again. When he says this, he says, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. We have to constantly be reminded, and oftentimes we're reminded in some of the hardiest times in our lives, but we need to remember in the good times of our lives that we were not made for this world. This is not our inheritance. This is not what it's all about. We get so wrapped up in this world and what we wear and, and, and what we do and, and how, um, how we're dressed and how we're going to retire and, and, all, and what our, our physical health is. We get so wrapped up in this world that we forget to even look at the people around us who have needs and, and, and who are, are struggling and suffering. And we get so wrapped up in this world that we forget that this is not our inheritance. This world that we are living in right now is not your inheritance. This is not, if you want to look at your life right now, this is not what you have to look forward to. You know, when we're young, we long to be a teenager and to be able to drive, right? And then we get to be a teenager and we get to drive and then they make us get a job. And then we long when we can move out of home and have our own place and go up to college or whatever it might be. And then we get to college and college sometimes stinks. Because you're stressed out and you're not sleeping and you got all these people wanting you to make bad decisions. You maybe, maybe you try to make good decisions or maybe you're like me and you didn't try so hard. And then you got to deal with that later. And then you think, oh, one of these days I'm going to graduate college and no one's going to be having me stay up till past midnight and da 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 da. And I'm going to get a career and I'm going to get my own house. And I'm going to start a family. And then you do all those things. 
And then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm stressed out. And you're trying to do that, and then you have kids, and then you have to drive your kids everywhere. And you go through that, and you're like, one of these days, the kids are going to be able to drive themselves, and then they get their driver's license, and then you know how well they drive, and you're scared sick. And then they move out. And let me ask mothers, do you stop worrying about your children when they, when they move out? Nope. And then you get grandkids, and those are great until you realize you've got to start worrying about them too. Because eventually they get driver's license. And then suddenly your health starts to not be that great. Because now you're getting older, and now suddenly your doctor's telling you, hey, you know all that pork you ate from like 18 to 40? Yeah, that's going to kill you. We always keep looking forward to the next thing, but guys, we're not looking far enough. Your inheritance is not having kids that move out and and can pay their own bills. Your inheritance is not finally paying off your home and being able to maybe one day retire. Your inheritance is not retirement. Even if you're one of those cool people that retires on a cruise ship and just goes around the world all the time, that's not your inheritance. In fact, our vision is too small when we think that our inheritance is something in this life. But we have a kingdom that God has prepared for us since the beginning of time. And if we will put our faith in God and the gospel and His promises and we trust Him, and we keep our hands open and allow Him to use all of the blessings and all the things that He gives us throughout this life to further His kingdom, then our inheritance is in eternity. And we get to go, we get to be with Jesus in His kingdom as co-rulers forever. Which is far greater than anything in a cruise ship or Florida retirement community, or any other thing we can think of has to offer in this life. And these things that Jesus says in our passage today, when he says, when he says that you were, you were hungry and I, you know, I was hungry and you fed me, thirsty and gave you drink, I was a stranger and you invited me in, I, I was naked, you clothed me, I was sick and, and I was in prison and you visited me. These are not the things we have to do to inherit that kingdom. Rather, they are the, the natural result of us fully placing our trust in Jesus. And when we have fully placed our trust in Him and we believe that, that He is Lord and that we will follow Him, these are the things we do because we trust Him. See, all of this and the generosity and the giving is not we do it because we have to or we do it because a book tells us to. No, no, no. The reason is, in fact, God reveals the reason even back in Israel's time in Deuteronomy fifteen fifteen, He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. Well, we, can, we can new covenant that same line. Why, do we, why are we generous? Why are we going to help people? Why are we going to do things for other people? Because you were once a slave to sin and a slave to this world, but the Lord your God redeemed you. He sent His only Son 
who lived the life you couldn't live to be your redeemer. He died on the cross for, for your sin and he rose from the grave three days later. The word redeem literally means to be bought, to buy someone out of slavery. See, Israel was enslaved to Egypt. We are enslaved to sin by the very words of Jesus. And God sent forth his son to pay for our redemption. And because we are a saved people, blessed and set free, we respond in obedience. And we are generous with those who who have need. The challenge here today is to remember how God has redeemed us and how he has blessed us and to further that blessing and generosity to other people. Now, I want you to to hear me today. This is not just a sermon about giving, but rather it's a reminder that we have been saved through Christ. And if you are with us today, we could care less what you do with your money if you, are, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because the reality is, is you can give to all the charities you want to, and without a relationship with Jesus Christ, it profits you nothing. It starts with a relationship with God. It starts with that statement that we read from Deuteronomy 15, 15, and we know because of the gospel that we are redeemed through Christ. And if you're with us today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's where it needs to start, by believing that Jesus is everything he said he is and that he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the grave three days later. And you believe that with all of your heart and that you confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. It has to start there. Generosity is just the fruit of that loving relationship that we have with Jesus through salvation. So please, please, please don't get it twisted. We believe first. And we're generous as the fruit of that. If you would like to experience that that love and you'd like to experience that redemption today, I would challenge you this morning to give your life to Jesus, to to come up and talk to me in just a few moments. I'm gonna, we're going to have a time of invitation. I would love to share with you a little bit more about what it makes to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Start there. But you're with us today, and, you're, and I just want to challenge you today. I don't know where your giving is at, and I'm not going to ask you. But I will ask you this. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust his promises? Do you trust the word? And if you trust him, then I challenge you, open your hand to however God calls you to give, to whatever that looks like for you in this moment. Will you trust him? And by trusting him, will you open your hand? Let's pray together. My God, my joy, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for the opportunity to just hear from your word and and just be reminded of, of your love and your grace and your goodness and the promises we have in Jesus. Father God, I pray that, that a passage like we have today, that we don't just look at it as a, a, a passage about giving. But God, I pray that it is a reminder to us of how good you are to us and all that you have already done to us. And God, that that puts a burden on our hearts to bless others because you have blessed us. 
And Lord, that through the ways that we love others and through the ways that we bless others, that they too might come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you would teach us what it means to keep our hands open for those that that are the least of these, for those that are the poor and needy among us, for those that need to experience your love and a lot of times in very physical, real ways. And God, I pray that you would put that burden on our heart, that you would show us how we are to live that out, and God, that we would do that very thing. God, we praise you for these things. Lord, we trust you in all these things. And God, if there is anyone here today that needs to give their life to Jesus, Lord, I pray today is the day they do it. We ask these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. Number 232, the power of the cross. Let's stand together as we sing. Oh, to see the dawn. 